Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. The first time it ever happened, I thought it was just a coincidence. A crazy coincidence. I was headed back home after a business trip, and by accident, I turned in front of this car, and it must have made him mad. He began following me, right on my back bumper, you know? I mean, if I had had to stop, he'd have ran me for sure. I could see the driver's face in my mirror, and the guy was really in a rage. I, I mean, paranoid. I tried slowing down to make him pass, but he wouldn't. Finally, he swerves around me and comes right up beside me, and, and you know, he really gives it to me good. Finally, he floored it and roared off down the freeway, still screaming his filthy mouth at me. Well, I, I should have just put it out of my mind, but, but I couldn't. All I could think of was uh, that no good idiot ought to get his. I mean, I kept fantasizing about how he deserved to get killed. It's not a very pretty thing to admit, is it? But that's how it was with me. I dwelled on it for miles until I saw it. Up ahead. At first, I couldn't believe it. I slowed down. And there it was, in the middle of the freeway, upside down, the same big red car. Only now, it was demolished. He'd driven right into an overpass abutment. I was the first car on the scene, and I, I know I should have stopped. Should have tried to flag down other cars, but it was too late for him. That was terribly obvious. Nothing I could do, so... I hit the gas, and I lit out of there as fast as I could go, because I knew, I knew, even then, that I had killed him, that I had willed him dead. Before you condemn Lloyd Keaton for his hostile thoughts, be honest with yourself. Haven't you, at one time or another, suddenly become so enraged, so filled with hatred at someone, that you found yourself wishing that person were dead? Psychiatrists say that's a perfectly normal reaction under some conditions of stress. But is Lloyd Keaton's story an account of normal happenings? Just how much influence could such macabre thoughts really have on the fate of another? Is Lloyd himself a victim of a bizarre but innocent coincidence? Or did his hate for the man in the red car somehow influence events and actually cause the fatal accident? I'll return shortly with tonight's tale of crisis, which is titled, The Executioner. Now, Act One of The Executioner. Why are you telling me this? Well, because I thought you'd understand. Lloyd, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm a cashier in a bar. I know, but you understand. Oh, come me. on. You stop in here about once every month. Doesn't now, matter. Can... You and I, we've got something uh, a lot of married people don't have. Understanding. Hey, look. If now, you I, to... It doesn't mean anything. But you meet lots and lots of people, and you have to know how to size them up. Now, be honest. Have you ever in your life heard a story like this one I just told you? No. But look, that doesn't mean it's not perfectly explainable. Look, the guy in the red car, he, he was really mad at you, right? 
so mad he probably drove on down the road and had a stroke or heart attack. It had nothing to do with you. But it did. How? Penny, I willed him to die. Don't you see? No. No, all I see is you've got yourself worked up into such a guilt complex that you think you're a murderer. I think maybe I am. Well, then go turn yourself in. I thought of that. Oh, come on. But I realize nobody believed me. Hey, look. Why don't you stay in the motel tonight and get a good eight hours sleep? Tomorrow things will look all back to normal. Phone your wife and tell her you'll be coming home tomorrow instead of tonight. That's what I do. Maybe you're right. Here, use the phone right here. Is it all right? Well, sure. Okay, I think that's what I'll do. Watch the cash register a minute, will you? I'm going to the little girl's room. Hello? Oh, hello, Karen. Uh, listen, honey, I'm in Hazleton, and... Hazleton? What's the matter? I expect you to be home in another hour. I know, but, uh, oh, I... When are you going to be home? I've got your dinner to fix. I don't want to be up all night. Uh, never mind about my dinner. Never mind. No, see, uh, I've decided to stay the night here in Hazleton and drive home in the morning. What's the big deal, Lloyd? Uh, no big deal, Karen. I'm just tired. I... I'm tired, and, I, and I've had a big day, and I, And uh... now you want to have a big night, too. Is that it? No. That music I hear in the background. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's the music they have here in the, uh, in, in the lounge. Oh, the lounge. Listen here, Lloyd Keaton, if you think you're putting something over on Look, me... Look, Karen, I'm not trying to put anything over you on you. Listen, wait, wait, will Lloyd. you listen to me? I saw an accident this afternoon. Accident? Have you been in an accident? No, I said I saw an accident. Oh, well, there are accidents every day. Stay out all night if you want to. Stay all week. So, you wild oats. Karen, will you listen to me? I just want to get a good night's sleep, and I, I can't drive 200 more miles tonight. So uh, what I figured I'd do is get to bed right away and be up first thing in the morning and... Karen? Karen? Hello? She hung up on me. She hung up on me. Gee, I, I feel terrible about this. Uh... It's not your fault. Well, I mean, if, if I hadn't suggested you stay here in the motel tonight, then all this no, never would have happened. Forget it. That's, that's the way Karen is. She's she's stubborn as a mule, and she won't see anybody else's side of things but her own. I wish I just hadn't said anything. Oh, but forget it, will you? This is my problem. I still don't think you're in too good a mental shape to drive anymore tonight. No, I'm okay now. I'll go on home. I'm, I'm more relaxed now, anyway. Have you had anything to eat? No, just a couple of drinks. That's okay, Annie. Don't don't worry about me. I'll just head on down the freeway and surprise Karen. Well, it took me four more hours to get home, and I, I did a lot of thinking. I thought maybe Annie was right about that accident. Of course she was right. There's no way in the world that I could have willed that man to crash and die. No way in the world for one man's anger to cause another man's death. By the time I rolled into my driveway and walked up to the front door, I was feeling pretty sheepish. And I was feeling guilty, too. Guilty about the murderous thoughts that passed through my mind when Karen hung up on me. <laughs> I've really got to learn to control myself. The house was dark. Yeah, Karen would be asleep by now. Yeah, it's all locked up. Fished in my pocket for my front door key. Found it. Trying to be quiet about letting myself in. I was very still in the front hall. Slipped up the stairs. The door to our bedroom was open. I edged into the room, trying not to wake Karen. When all of a sudden, my foot caught in something, and I, I stumbled and fell against the dresser. 
Well, I knew that would wake her up. So I found a bedside lamp and switched it on. Then I saw what I'd stumbled over. It was a tangle of bedclothes. And lying across the bed, staring straight at me, was Karen. Her eyes were wide open, looking right through me, accusing me. Her lips were parted, her mouth was partway open as if she were about to say my name. But she didn't speak. Her blinking eye. Her moving muscle. She was dead. All right, Mr. Keaton. We'll make this as brief as we can. Now, when did you last talk to your wife? It was, uh... uh just after nine o'clock last night. Are you sure of the time? Yeah. I'm sure because I phoned her from Hazleton to, to tell her I, I wouldn't be home tonight. You wouldn't be home? Yeah. Yeah, I was tired. I was going to stay at a motel, but then I, uh, I changed my mind and uh, I drove on anyway. And when did you enter the house? Well, let's see. It was, uh, well, it must have been just a little after one o'clock this morning. Mm-hmm. Now, Mr. Keaton, is there anyone in Hazleton who can vouch for you? What, what do you mean? Is there anyone who can verify that you were 200 miles away at about 9 o'clock? Why? Mr. Keaton, the medical examiner feels that your wife died between 4 and 5 hours ago. And that would make it just about the time you claim you were in Hazleton. If you can prove your whereabouts at that time, why, it'd be a lot easier for you. Are you, are you trying to say that you think I could have... could have done this? Uh, take it easy, please. You, you think I strangled All right, her? all right, ease it off. Now, you have an alibi? Yes. All right. Let's hear it. Well, I, I was talking with a girl named, uh, uh, named Annie. She's the cashier in a bar at the Hazelton Motel. Annie. Uh, does she have a last name? I, I don't know. I, I only know her by that name. I, I stop in there now and then when I'm in that part of the state. It, it uh, she means nothing to me. Uh, we, we weren't... Yeah, uh, okay, okay. Hazelton Motel Bar. I'll give her a call. The police were very careful. They sealed off our house and yard and covered every inch of it, looking for footprints, fingerprints, hair, lint, anything that could lead them to the killer. But I knew who the killer was. Oh, yes. I knew. I didn't know how it was done. But I knew who had the power to do it and who was responsible. It didn't matter that I was 200 miles away at the time it happened. I was certain now that by some evil talent... My hellish temper had reached across the miles and done its horrible work. And I also knew that I had no choice but to go to the police and confess. We'll return with the second act of The Executioner after this word. Now, back to The Executioner. You want to confess, Mr. Keaton? Yes. Uh, do you have an attorney? No. You have a right to be represented by counsel. The law says... I that... don't care about that. The subject waives right to counsel. All right, Mr. Keaton. You just go right ahead and tell us what you want to say. Well, first of all, I want to confess to killing someone else first. Uh, the day before my... my wife. Oh? And who was that? Uh, I, I don't know his name. You, you have it in your records. He was the man driving that red car that hit the overcrossing abutment on the freeway uh, about 60 miles north of Springdale. A freeway accident? Yes. And you killed the man? Yes. Well, how did you manage that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I willed it. That's all I can tell you. 
He followed me too closely, and uh, I made him mad somehow. And he came up alongside me and cursed and screamed at me, and then he drove on ahead, and I... I, I willed him to die. You willed him to die? Yes. I, I don't know how it works, but I did. And that's the same way it was with Karen. You willed her to die? Not consciously. It, not on purpose. Uh, you see, I, I phoned her from Hazelton, and she argued with me. She hung up on me. And the thought crossed my mind, I, I wish she were dead. I, I didn't mean to do it. I, I tried to force it out of my head. Mr. Keaton, are you telling me that you think you killed two people by wishing they were dead? Yes. You want me to lock you up? Yes, before, before I do it to someone else. Mr. Keaton, you've had a very bad shock. Now, I want you to go to your doctor and have him take care of you. Look, I'm, I'm guilty. I killed a perfect stranger. And my own wife. What's your doctor's name? Can you tell me that? I, I, I tell you, it's true. I, I don't know how it works, but it's true. Mr. Keaton, you are not a suspect. Now, please, go get some medical help. And let us try to find who did murder your wife. The coroner's inquest completely ignored my confession. They decided Karen had been strangled by an unknown assailant for an unknown motive. I argued... I pleaded, I demanded they arrest me for the murder. But nobody took me seriously. The funeral was held. The policeman who interrogated me came to the cemetery, and I learned his name was Campbell. <laughs> he tried to be kind to me. I want you to know you have my sympathy, Mr. Keaton. Why didn't you arrest me? Because you didn't do it. But I confess. Now, a lot of people confess to crimes they didn't do. I know, I know, but, but this was different. No, it isn't. You carry around a load of guilt feelings, and, and suddenly you think you're responsible for somebody's dying. So you come to headquarters to take your medicine. You want punishment, Mr. Keaton. That's what you want, punishment. It isn't like that. Can't you understand? I, I, I have this, uh, this power, th this power to will somebody dead. I, I never meant to use it. I, I didn't even know I had it, but... Uh... Mr. Keaton, look, I, I've been a cop for a long time, and I've studied crime for a long time. And you know what? Nobody in history ever killed anyone just by wishing they were dead. Look, I, I don't care about history. I'm talking about now. I'm telling you I made that accident happen. I killed that man, and I killed Karen. How? I don't know. By wanting them dead. I can't, uh, I just don't know. I don't know. All right, look, I'll tell you what. You want me to believe you? You want to prove you got the, the evil eye or whatever? Why? What, what are you getting at? I'm going to let you prove you can do it. Look, uh, be quiet a second. You see over there on the, on the lower limb of that oak tree? You see, see that squirrel there? Where? There. You see it? Yes, I, I see it now. All right. You go ahead and, and, and will it to die. I can't do that. Well, why not? You say you kill two human beings that way. But, but that was with hatred. You, you, you can't hate a tiny little animal. Oh. Oh, I see. Well, okay. Try it on me. What? Try me. Come on, you got enough reason to hate me. I've as much as told you you're nutty as a fruitcake. Go ahead. Go ahead, hate me to death. And if it doesn't work, Keaton, you agree to go see a doctor, okay? I, I, I don't have any reason to want you dead. No, I, I can't do it to you. No, I see. No, no, you don't see. Nobody sees. Nobody understands. 
But that really wasn't quite true. One person did understand. Annie, back at Hazelton. She would understand. It took a long time, but gradually I rebuilt a life for myself, with Annie's help. I moved to Hazelton, and for almost three years, with Annie by my side, I developed a small retail business. We were married now, and most of the dark scars had healed over. It was near the end of summer in the third year in Hazelton that the call came through at the store. Lloyd, it's for you. Yeah, who is it? Well, he said it's Campbell. Campbell? Campbell. Hello? Lloyd Keaton? Now, this is Lieutenant Campbell. Remember me? Yes, Lieutenant. I, I remember. I think we have some news for you, Mr. Keaton. We have a pretty good suspect. We'd like you to come in. A suspect? In the murder of your wife. You have? After all this time? That's right. That's, uh... That's a relief. That's a real load off my mind. Uh, thank you, Lieutenant. I'll be there in four hours. Well, good to see you looking so well, Mr. Keaton. I'm a lot different than when you saw me last. That's great. I'm amazed that uh, you're still working on the case. Oh, yeah. We never really close a murder case. Well, who did it? And why? When you have a killing... You generally have just a very few reasons for it. Revenge, robbery, jealousy, killing to silence a witness, just plain hatred, and love. Love? Crime of passion. I, I don't get that. Well, uh, I'm getting ahead of my story. I had occasion the other day to review some state police reports, and I came across an interesting one from a trooper working out of Hazleton the night your wife was killed. It seems he was parked on an overpass when a car went by under him at about 90 miles an hour, headed this way. He radioed ahead, but uh, there wasn't another unit available to intercept it. But he did get a fair description of the vehicle, and he noted the time it passed his point. Look, I drove home from Hazelton very slowly. For one thing, I, I had a lot of thinking to do, and for another, I'd had a couple of drinks and an empty stomach, and I wasn't about to get picked up for drunk driving. Uh, this car would have reached here probably a good uh, half hour to 45 minutes before you did. If the driver had come to your house to kill your wife, you'd have had plenty of time to do it, and clear out before you came on the scene. But uh, Karen wouldn't let a strange man in? Suppose it wasn't a strange man. What do you mean? Suppose it wasn't a man at all. Suppose it was a young woman who said she'd come to tell all about your carryings-on in the motel at Hazelton. Well, there, there were no carryings-on. But your wife suspected that. Wait, wait a minute. Who are you saying was driving that car? Well, we know who was driving it. The present Mrs. Keaton. Annie? You'd won her heart, Mr. Keaton, in your monthly stopovers. She knew just where you lived from the times you registered at the motel before then. She knew you didn't get along too well with Karen. With Karen out of the way... You're saying Annie murdered Karen? She had the motive and the opportunity. And when I tried to phone her in Hazelden to check your alibi, the bartender said she left in a big hurry, just about the same time you did. Which didn't mean anything to me then, but now I know where she'd been. She was just returning to Hazelton after coming here to murder your wife. But then she... She's a murderer. I'm afraid so. What will you do? She's being taken in custody by your local sheriff right about now. He'll bring her here into town. I've, I've been living with a, with a murderer. Uh, the word is uh, murderess. And I thought... I thought she understood me. Mr. Keaton... Uh, can I get you something? Coffee? Uh, Mr. Keaton? Excuse me. Lieutenant Campbell? Yeah. What? Well, when? 
how did... Yeah. Yeah, you might as well. All right. All right, Sheriff. Yeah, thanks. Mr. Keaton, that was the Sheriff in Hazelton, phoning from your place. It seems they went in to take Annie, and they found her dead. Dead. No apparent wound. Sheriff thinks she knew it was coming and must have taken poison or something because she died within the last couple of minutes. Yes, I know. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's funny. I haven't felt hatred in the last three years. Until now. Until five minutes ago when you told me. Now, look, are you going to tell me you... You willed her to die? You want me to arrest you for murder? No. Not this time, Lieutenant. This wasn't a murder. This was an execution. If thoughts are things, as some people believe, then do they have force enough to change events outside the brain that thinks them? There are those who say they do. There are those who believe the disciplined mind can move objects, can influence lives, can even end lives. Or is it all merely coincidence? I'll be back in a moment with the names of tonight's players and a few scenes from next week's Crisis. Tonight, Crisis presented Ray Court, Paul Herlinger, Pat French, and Kay Balser in The Executioner, written and directed by yours truly, Jim French. Our engineer was Carney Barton. The program is produced at Audio Recording Incorporated. <laughs>